What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fifth down. I'm your host, Jose. With me tonight are Brad and Junie. What's up, guys? What's going on? What's up, guys? Summer. Almost here. Hey, it's here. Is it? That's yeah, crypto. I don't know. It's hot. No. I mean, it's <laughs> it's 2020, you know. It seems like it's been one long, like, just dreadful day. Times, Spit. they are a-changing. Six months into yeah. the new year. Isn't that crazy, guys? Six months. It is. Honestly, we should, you know, no one should age this year. We should all get to keep this year as like, an, you know, it's not fair. It's a, it should be a nullified year. We can put an asterisk next to this year. Exactly. So, you know what? I will once again be turning 30 this year. There I will you go. be 31. <laughs> there you go. Hey. Hey. <laughs> do what you got to do. Yeah. But, you know, we want to focus um, our efforts tonight on something you know, big that's going on in this country, a big movement that's going on. And in this world, on. you know. Yeah, world, yeah, because it's not just in this country. It's yep. it's become global. And, you know, it's the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's it's very important because, you know, like a lot of times things happen and you see people come out and you, they protest, you know, whether it's people against uh, cruelty to animals or something. And, you know, you see them protest for a day or two and they make their point and then it goes away. This, I'm glad that it's been over a week and the people are still out protesting because it's something that change needs to happen. And I feel like the only way it's gonna happen is if these people keep shoving it in front of you, you know, letting you know, like, hey, it's not something that can just, you know, be used on a poster for a day and then, you know, and then it goes back in the, the rearview mirror. So. I don't know what you guys think about everything going on right now. Oh, I mean, solve it now. I mean, it's been going on for, for you know, 200, 400 years. It's something that needs to be addressed. It's one of those things that if you just ignore it, it's just going to rear its ugly head again. Take care of it now so you don't have to deal with it later. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, especially uh, with uh, what happened four years ago with Colin Kaepernick doing the silent protest. I mean, that did not wake people up um and now you know with uh with everything that happened um with uh with floyd um it's one of those things where we have to or the black black community has to come out we have to come out and you know make this movement and uh, we can't be silent about it absolutely and you know and i'm sick and tired of hearing people say all lives matter yes all lives do matter but just because this doesn't say Black Lives Matters too, it doesn't mean that that's what this movement means. They're not saying that only Black Lives Matter. They're saying Black Lives Matter too. Yeah, so, and a lot of people just get caught up in the semantics. And it's really just because they're looking for an argument. And to that, you know, you just have to talk to them and, you know, understand that, hey, you know, like they're hurting, you know, when, when your friend's grieving. You know, they lost someone that they love. You, you go and talk to them and comfort them in their time of need. You don't tell them that, oh, you know what? Other parents die too, not yeah. just yours. Yeah. Like, like how inhumane would you, do you have to be to, to say something like that? And that, that's really what I see it as. You have a group of people that are hurting. Like there's nothing wrong with, you know, just listening and saying, yeah, you do matter to us. What is the harm in that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate with those people who, who, uh, 
who are who are making it about themselves. Yes, all lives do matter, but like what you guys are saying, you know, right now it's about uh, African American people. It's about Black people. It's about you know getting equality. You know, because let's face it. I mean, you know, the the way things are going, if 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 we don't speak up or if if we don't make a stand, things aren't going to get better. Exactly. Yeah, and for the longest time, people have just been silent about it. Everyone knew what was going on, but you know, you just kind of ignore this problem. And I I I think that you know it just brings to light that if you start discussing it, you can actually come to to working towards a solution. And I think we saw it with, uh, you know, with Drew Brees, you know, he, I mean, it was insensitive what he said, but you know, you hope that his second comments were sincere and he is turning the corner and he is starting to understand it because, you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's, it's a human rights issue. Right. Exactly. And you know, like, and the problem are people like him, you know, um, privileged people that don't understand the struggle and the oppression that, that, that these people are going through. And, you know, like they, they're literally telling you what their movement is about. And still the fact that all Drew Brees could think about was to make it about the flag. This had nothing to do with the fucking flag, dude. And yes, but, but listen, you got to give him credit because he was actually willing to listen and to change his opinion. Listen, everyone makes mistake and mistakes, and I won't hold Drew Brees accountable for that. Like, yes, it was a dumb thing to say, and I'm glad, you know, he's starting to, to at least entertain the idea that it's not, that, that he can be wrong. Well, I will hold him accountable to it until, I, you know, one little message apologizing for all this. No, stuff. absolutely. It's I mean, a, you, you have to see it. It will be to, uh, like seeing the, the steps he takes next and like what change he really tries to make, like what change he really tries to make in the community. I want to see him go out there and have those uncomfortable conversations with the people that have been affected. Well, by- well that, I, th- I think that's what he did. I think he had a day of uncomfortable conversations because when you take a look at the other white quarterbacks and what they have said about it, like, what was crazy about it were the white quarterbacks were the first ones that came out and publicly, you know, expressed um, that Black Lives Matter. Like Aaron Rodgers, he was, you know, yeah. day one with it, right? Like th- they were typically the first ones on board. And what was sort of shocking was to see what I, what I didn't understand were to see the black quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, Mahomes, Russell Wilson. They didn't really come out immediately and say it. Um, I think they were just, you know, trying to formulate what they wanted to say. That's really what I was looking for. Um, but yeah, it like when they're all saying it, but you can't seem to get it. You have to understand that that hey, maybe you could be wrong here. I, th- I thought uh, Drew Brees stepped up though when uh, after he apologized and um, w- when Donald Trump was supporting him. I, I thought he stepped up big time, uh, you know, um, telling Donald Trump pretty much, you know, we have to, we have to listen and learn, you know, we have to, we have to be more open-minded instead of um, just making it about the flag, making it about, you know, the troops and and whatnot, because that message was not, um, 
they didn't understand it when it happened four years ago with the silent protesting. And now, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's everywhere now and, and people, people are opening their eyes to it now. You know, it, it's especially with no, with no distractions, right? No sports, you yeah. know, no, no movies. Like, I, th I think with the, with the pandemic, I think this is actually a good thing because now a lot of people who are, are a lot of people who were not aware of what was going on, they're more aware now and, and, and they're starting to understand and do their research on, you know, um, racism and, you know, how black people are being treated. No, I agree. And I did appreciate that from Drew Brees, but it's going to take more than one statement. I, I feel like he's really going to have to prove it with actions over the coming months. Oh, no. And I, and I agree. He, he's at least, he's at least telling, he's at least starting to listen. And, and you know, that's part one of dialogue. You got to get yeah. the other side to listen. You know, but I'm still waiting. You know, I want to hear from guys like Tom Brady, like other prominent white figures in the sports world, you know, Phil Mickelson, guys like that. You want to hear guys like that come out too and, you know, kind of like support this movement because you need all the big names. You need all the celebrities. You need all of the prominent figures to come out and support this movement because everybody should be for the ending to this just blatant discrimination against African-Americans and people of color. You know, and that's why it, it should be just common sense for every prominent figure out there, no matter what race, color, to come out and be in full support of this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's really going to be crucial. Uh, the other aspect that I look at is, um, you know, owners and head coaches are definitely hopping on board. You have, you know, more progressive coaches, um, Bruce Arians, you know. Uh, he's one of those coaches that, that fully understands uh, what's going on. And then you have got, you know, Kyle Shanahan, a younger coach. The younger coaches get it, and, and they absolutely understand it. And, and you know, they're, they're talking about social injustice. Um, and, you know, teams are going out and, you know, they're, they're using the First Amendment right of protesting. But then you also have guys like Vic Fangio, who yeah. doesn't, like, you want to talk about a bad locker room to be in? Like, he's already on the hot seat and they haven't even played a single down. I think it's one of those things where he might not even make it through training camp if, like, if, you know, John Alway walks in that locker room and sees that the team's not united. I mean, this guy had a terrible first season as a coach. I don't think, you know, John Alway is too eager to hold on to him, especially because it's not even like he's, like, a young up-and-coming coach. He's a lifelong coordinator with, you know – Clearly. He's a D coordinator too. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It never made sense to me why they even went with this guy. You know, like how how can this guy get a head coaching job before Eric Bieniemy? Like that just to me is is flat out stupid. You know, and yeah, then, yeah and some of those things that you know that they're also going to have to uh, handle in, in their due time, and it's just one of those things uh, that you know you have to look forward to. to yeah, where, but that. That was just ridiculous. And even when he tried apologizing, he still sounded really stupid. Like, he, he, it wasn't even a real apology. It was pretty much just saying, like, oh, well, you know, you have to be in the locker room to understand the locker room atmosphere. There's no colors in here. It's like, oh, no, there's still colors in there. Everyone's still well aware that 
you still always hope that your quarterback is white. That's the stereotype, you know, like there has, there's way too many talented black quarterbacks now for that to be the case. But for a long time, you know, black quarterbacks were stereotyped as, as pretty much uh, uh, a, a running back that can throw the ball, yep. you know, and, and guys like Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, they've taken care of that issue. But I mean, let's not sit here and act like all players are treated equal in the locker room. No, and you know, it was a good thing that, you know, guys like Darren Rogers stepped up and you oh, know, yeah. and sounded off on it. Like, you know, he called them out from the beginning. Um, said, Hey, Drew, you know, you gotta listen, but really some of these head coaches and some of these owners, like, what are you going to do with mounting public pressure? Like, like we were talking about earlier, like Jerry Jones, we all saw what happened four years ago with the kneeling. You're going to, like, what's yeah. your stance on it now, now that the public opinion isn't so 50-50 on it? Exactly. Are you going to still threaten your players? Yeah. I mean, it, it's like if he doesn't see the light, hey, you know, maybe you, Maybe the good thing is we get to see less of the Dallas Cowboys on television. Mm. Yeah. True that. that is a positive. True that. Absolutely. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's always good to have these conversations. You know, a lot of times they can be uncomfortable. And, hey, you know why it's uncomfortable? Because it's reality. And yeah, it's an, it's an ugly truth. I mean, address it. Exactly. You know, and you see, like, Vanessa Bryant posted a picture of Kobe Bryant from four years ago wearing an I Can't Breathe t-shirt. How the hell is that shirt still so prevalent today? Because, um, you know, George Floyd died from asphyxia, not being able to breathe. Mm -hmm. It literally happened again. Like, yeah, and it's the frequency at which it occurred, and I think that's what most people are now fully aware of. Like okay, it happens one time, it's an accident, but when it starts occurring with such frequency. And it was caught on video. And they yeah, I mean, it was, and it was it a mock. It still took massive protests and-, well, and well, things for it, was, it was a modern day lynching, okay? But here's the thing, change is occurring right, right, as, you, right as we speak, okay? You right. now have organizations actively saying, hey, you know, we support black, you know, the BLM movement, there, there is enormous support behind it. You have teams and organizations that really wouldn't have taken a stand that have said, hey, you know, this is a problem and we need to address it. Like, and, and, and you now have, you know, the city of LA with their, you know, with their budgeting of, of the cops, you know, taking away a hundred and some odd million dollars from the police budget isn't a small amount of money. You have Minneapolis, uh, you know, talking about defunding their police department and taking a look at how they're going to do things. And there, there is this huge, you know, there's a lot that's actually going on. I mean, cop, police departments are, are having to reevaluate how they handle things. No more yeah. tear gas, you know, like, like you're gassing your own citizens. Exactly. You know, one thing that did make me smile was when I saw that they um, they painted a large mural of the Black Lives Matter movement that leads all the way to the, the White House. Yeah, and the thing is, 
as if you've ever been in Washington, D.C., if you've ever been in Maryland and Virginia, you realize that that is a huge African-American population. Huge. And, yep. if you, and if you think that, that they would just sit there and let you do it, come on, man. Yeah. You're not going to get away with it. It's even been added to Google Maps, so it's official. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's one of those things where you're starting to see change happen bef- you know, right. right before your eyes, and you hope you know, it has enough steam to carry on and you're still able to put more pressure because what we've learned is that, hey, speaking up and protesting and talking about it does work. We've been able to institute some change. And the four cops, you know, they're being held accountable for it. So, you know, just keep, keep on pushing. Yep. I agree. But now, you know, moving on to some other things that are going on in the sports world, you know, we finally, we finally are going to get the NBA back. They're going to be um, the the league is going to resume on July 31st. I'm still a little confused as to how this play-in tournament counts. It's going to work, but there's going to be 22 teams, 13 from the Western Conference, nine from the Eastern Conference, and they're going to play eight regular season games leading into the postseason. And it's going to the eight games are going to affect seeding. So does this mean that all 22 teams are also going to make it to the postseason? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too certain on the specifics either, especially when you take a look at West, how tight of a race it was for, you know, eighth, seventh. Like, it was a tight race before COVID-19 and this whole yeah, pandemic. Yeah, that's why there was 13 teams from the Western Conference, because I think the 13th seed was within, like, four games of the eighth seed. I, I, hope that, I hope that, you know, that they're just going to continue the playoffs as normal. I think they're doing um, – uh, so the eight teams from the East, eight teams from the West, and then the last, um, what is it, six teams, I think they're going to fight for the, um, to get into the playoffs. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if it's more tournament style or, or what. I, I hope it's tournament style. I think it would be awesome if they could experiment with, and it's gonna, uh, yeah. It's going to be at Disney World, so, you know, it's right. going to be at the Big Mouse's uh, home. Imagine if it was like Lakers and Clippers NBA Finals. Like how how awesome would that be? Because you know, honestly, it's what people have been saying should be the final, but they're both in the same conference. So if now it's able to happen, hey man, I'm all yeah. for that. And if I'm both organizations, you know, I'd be like, hey, can we just play this at the Staples Center? Yeah. All right. Um, amazing if they could do that, but yeah, it's, I think this would be a good time for the NBA to experiment if they're going to go that route. Because I know they've been talking about changing the the, the playoff format into uh, more of a tournament style. So, um, oh yeah, best best record overall being the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's definitely in, it's definitely interesting, but I don't know how a lot of the purists will look at it and accept it. I mm-hmm. still like you know the eight team playoff format. Um, you know, I think the last biggest change in the NBA that came was in the first round going to a seven-game series. You know, we were always so used to a five-game series. Yeah. And, With you know, all the that, sweeps. Yeah, and that took some getting used to. Um, so, I, I don't know. Definitely be interesting to watch. Um, but, you know, we'll see when we get there. Right. Definitely, it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, season, to say the least. And, you know – We'll just see what everyone looks like. We'll see how teams have been 
handling this uh, this internal pre postseason. Yep. How do you guys see? Um, how do you guys see fatigue setting in at the beginning of these eight regular season games? Do you guys see teams like the Lakers, Clippers, limiting the minutes for their their superstars? Uh, personally, no. Um, I I think. I think most of the elite teams have already shifted into, hey, we have to get these guys ready for playoff mode. So they are getting the cardio and they're getting into that mode and prepping them for that, for the, you know, the grueling playoff season. Um, I don't think there's going to be much fatigue. We might see some rust, but I don't, fatigue shouldn't be an issue for most of these athletes. Hopefully a lot of their training staffs, you know, are getting them right right now. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think they're, they're they're geared up for the playoffs, and uh, I think the the athletes um, they they've done a good job of staying in some sort of shape. I mean, I know LeBron uh, is staying in shape, so I think a lot of these guys have you know the same trainers or access to a gym. So I feel like the in terms of the uh, the conditioning, I think they'll be okay. Um, but obviously there's going to be players too that are going to be out of shape, you know? So mm-hmm. we'll see, we'll see which players, you know, took the, took the, um, the pandemic to, you know, to keep training and get better. And then the, the players who just slacked off. So it's going to make a big difference. Exactly. Um, what do you, do you guys uh, foresee, do you guys think that if they expanded rosters that would benefit the teams? Uh, no, I personally wouldn't, especially going into the playoffs. I, I like it the way it is. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're able to add one or two guys, like they haven't been around your team, they don't know the system, I don't, it, it would be kind of difficult. I mean, Deion Waiters was added to the Lakers right before the pandemic started. So, you know, he's probably still going to, over these last eight games, have to learn the offense, learn the Frank Vogel defensive system, like, you know, adapt or get cut pretty much. Like, I don't think they're going to have much patience with them. Yeah, uh, teams will figure it out. They'll work out the chemistry issues that you have to. You don't have that much of a runway to begin with. But teams teams that are going to contend are going to get it, and they're going to get it early. There might be some bumps in the road for, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks. But you know, those are still the teams I fully expect to see in the in the finals. What do you guys think about um, um, Irving, Kyrie Irving, and and Durant not committing to playing? It's a smart move. It's a smart move because they, you know, they know that they're not going to win this year. So I mean, why put their their health on the line when you know, in terms of uh, in terms of the team getting to the finals or even uh, going far into the playoffs, I think it's, it's smart for them to shut it down and, you know, wait for next year. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, they are spending a lot of money, and if you could just rest them, like, rest them. And, come on, no one, you're not really going to get that far. Um, they know it. We know it. Um, you're not going to sell any more tickets because, obviously – the one's going to be in the stadiums. Yeah. Um, so, really? No, I agree. Especially with Durant. We saw what happened 
when he tried to tough it out, you know, everyone pretty much knew what was going to happen. And, you know, he still tried to help the Warriors out and he ended up fully tearing that Achilles. Yeah. Um, but so it's one of those things that it's going to be interesting when they, when they get back, because it'll be an extremely long layoff for Katie. Yeah. Yeah. What about someone like John Wall who got hurt before Kevin Durant? Do you guys think he should consider maybe using these eight games as kind of like a getting back in the the right kind of flow? I think so. Figure out if he's even, you know, there. You know, maybe give it a maybe give it a half a game and you know, see how you feel. Then do another game, see how you feel and reassess from there. And what do you guys think about the the fact that the season's pretty much going to end? Like, two days later, we're going to have a draft, and then, like, a week later, we're going to have free agency. It's going to be, like, boom, boom, boom. Do you guys think teams are already pretty much putting in their off-season contingency plan? Yep, 100%. Especially those teams that aren't in the playoffs or aren't going to be in the playoffs. So, I think, uh, you know, they have to they have to catch up with the time and – I think it's smart for them to, you know, still hold the season and also the draft and free agency afterwards. So, because if you extend those, then you're going to, you're just going to keep pushing back the next season. So. And then next season in theory is supposed to start Christmas, correct? I believe so. Yep. Christmas or January, I think. So, which is the same time frame. So. And we're probably going to have to have a shorter season for next season as well. Yeah. This season, it's probably going to be like 60 games or, which, you know, they've always talked about trying, trying it out with less games. Hey, there you go. You know, perfect. Uh, It'll be a perfect trial period. And you're probably going to have guys like um, Anthony Davis who were locks to opt out of their contracts, probably opt in. Right. Probably going to make more sense for him to opt in than to deal with whatever this free agency is going to look like. And it's, you know, unfortunately for the players, they're the ones that are really impacted on it. They're not going to make as much money, you know, instead of, you know, 150 super max, you know, they're only going to make 110. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh-huh. so boohoo. Um, yeah, poor but, guys. Poor guys. But, yeah. I mean, it sucked for anyone that was planning a payday uh, in this upcoming contract season. Um, yeah. Cause it's obviously not going to happen. But hey, it's not just you. It's for everyone. It's for every single sporting sporting venue. Yeah, you even see it in um, like the the soccer world. You know, globally, like you even have the big clubs in the Premier League, La Liga, talking about how they're not, they can't spend really big, or that, or they're pretty much telling their clubs, you get to pick one guy that you really want, yeah. and that's about it. Yeah. So it's it's affected globally. Yeah, make sure you make sure your office is good as your team. Yeah, yeah, teams like Barcelona that would typically bring in five, six, seven new guys, Real Madrid, they're pretty much being told you can either do um, exchanges of players or you're pretty much going to be able to sign one or two guys at the most. Cause yeah, no- and just bring it back full circle with, with you know, the NBA. Um, you're going to see, you know, just how good your front office is. There are front yeah. offices that you know work, right? You have the Golden State Warriors who do their – homework okay you have the lakers that have recently you know figured things out then you still have organizations like the bulls and i'm a bulls fan um that don't know what they're doing 
they, they really don't know what they're doing or the New York Knicks. Come on, does anyone know what the Knicks are doing? Like no. there are some organizations that really have to get to, have to get it together real fast. Yep. Yeah, the, the Knicks who had all this money and they used it on Bobby Portis and, and Julius Randle. <laughs> like, like, hey, you know, you guys worked really hard sucking for 10 years to finally have money in free agency. And your big signings were Bobby Portis and Julius Randle. Great job, guys. Oh, and they drafted the wrong guy, too. Yeah, they, they were banking on Zion. So, but, you know, they didn't have, they didn't have a plan B. You know, they, they wanted KD, Zion, Kyrie. And none of those guys wanted to go there because the organization sucks. Exactly. Yeah, and, I mean, just bringing back to the first organization, um, he's not the most stand-up character in there. Um, come on. He yeah. needs to go, too. Yep. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like how the Clippers got rid of their owner. Yep. The Bulls New York's got to And the Bulls, too. Jerry Reinsdorf is a little... Yeah, it'll happen in due time. Yeah, but I mean, they just got a new GM. Like, like they're still churning. They're still trying. The Bulls. They've been they've been stuck for ten years. I mean, they had something going. They've been on stuck for like thirty years, man. Yeah, but like, it just like I don't know with them. It just doesn't make sense. Like, you 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 had Jimmy Butler, and then you don't make him feel special, and then. You know, you just – you bring in guys like Zach Levine. Like, they're just like stat stuffers, you know. They're not really winners. Like, and you're kind of like – you're stuck in mediocrity. It's hard in the NBA, you know. It's one of those things where if, unless you yeah. have to do, I mean, it's going to be pretty the, hard. Look at the Charlotte Hornets. They have been stuck in that, like, like that 10th draft pick position for, like, eight years. They're never, like – like, they're good enough to once in a while make it in as an eight seed, but they're never good enough to really make an impact. And But then they're never good enough to be the number one seed. So they're always yeah. kind of just stuck. Like, so they're not able to draft a Zion Williamson. So they end up drafting, like, you know, like more like middle of the line role players. And they're just yeah, stuck I mean, with a bunch of role I, players. I think that's why this upcoming draft and next year – can be so critical because you're obviously not going to be able to make those those signings that you normally would want to make. You're going to have to really rely on that office and teams that don't have a bat don't have a good office. You know they're going to be suffering for two years. That's true. Yeah. Especially especially if they still have the bad contracts. You know, like teams like the the Hornets, they still have um um what's his name? Marvin Williams. Yeah, they have Marvin Williams. Uh, I think they had to stretch out his contract, and then they did the same thing with Michael. Uh, GK. Yeah, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, and then they they have another bad contract. Uh, he, the French guy who was really good with the Blazers. Um, I am. I am. Striking it's, blank. it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. His name will come up. But yeah, they you know they they're loaded with bad contracts. And then they don't pay Kemba Walker, but then they bring in Terry Rozier, who, you know, another guy who's going to score 20 points because he's going to take 40 shots. Yeah. Like, like, and they're just stuck in mediocrity because they make bad decision after bad decision. If you're going to tank, at least do it the way the Sixers did. Make it mean something. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, most of these franchises, they just 
they suck because they don't know how to make good decisions. Yeah. That's true. It's an internal thing. Get a new front office, man. Figure it out. New GM, your head coach. Exactly. And to finish out today, let's just kind of give our um, quick thoughts on Conor McGregor retiring for a third time. Do you guys think it won't be the last time he retires. I will say that. (laughs) I think, you know, I think it speaks to a bigger issue in the UFC. Um, because you have guys like Masvidal, you have guys like Jones, John Jones, um, that are refusing to take on fights because they're they're unhappy with the pay pay scale. Um, you know, Dana White's always out here saying that you know he treats his guys well and stuff. Well, then why are they always unhappy? Because they're not getting paid. They see boxers, <laughs> they see boxers getting paid. You know, uh, Broner or not Broner, um, what's his name? Uh, Joshua, you know, you got Fury. These guys are making $40, $50 million uh, per fight. And then you got a, a guy like John Jones who will make $5 million a fight. Yeah, exactly. Like McGregor had never made the kind of purse that he made when he fought Mayweather. And that wasn't even his sport. Yeah, It was in a completely different sport. And Mayweather made him more money than he had ever made in any of his – UFC fights, and that's really telling because UFC yeah. are probably more popular now than boxing is. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, but at the same time, they haven't figured out how to how to get the money to the actual athletes. You know, in boxing, the boxers are the ones driving it. In the UFC, it's not the fighters. Yep. People driving, you know, those contracts, guys like Dana White and Unfortunately, capitalism is going to have to come into play. Another organization is going to step in and say, hey, you know, we value you. We're going to pay that. Would you come and fight for us? And once it starts to affect Dana White's bottom line and those board, those board members start questioning why they're losing money, then they're going to start paying. And by that time, it might be too late. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to play chicken with them. I think they're eventually going to pay. But, you know, Conor McGregor retiring is just one of those things where he's probably going to retire again, but it's just a move. John Jones, you know, he wants to get paid. Everyone wants to get paid. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's smart of the fighters to do it now because a lot of the top fighters are um, either retiring or, or, or they want out of their contracts. I mean, I think of I think Connor's jumping on the bandwagon because he he knows that there's more money out there for him, and uh, you know these guys should get paid because you, you, uh, the UFC is one of the biggest sporting events in the world, and you know they're you know they, they were bought out by or they have a contract with ESPN, you know and they were bought out by billionaires and I feel like they need to pay these fighters what they deserve and you know you four hundred k is good to us you know five hundred k is good to us but to, Absolutely. to Heartbeat. Yeah, but but to to pay a professional athlete, you know that per fight when you know when other combat sports fighters are getting paid in you know the the forty fifty million dollar range. I mean, you know they do deserve to get paid. That would be like paying LeBron James what Scottie Pippen made in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, the economics of the situation I think are going to correct themselves. Dana White's not stupid. I, I, he knows he's going to have to pay these guys. He might be trying to play chicken, which is a dumb thing to, to do because really you have little to no leverage in the situation, especially with these bigger names. You might have some sort of leverage with a smaller name, 
when it's your marquee players, don't play chicken. Yep. Do Absolutely. not play chicken. That's true. Absolutely. Well, you know, hopefully they all go to WWE and, you know, <laughs> fight with uh, WWE rules, you know, no holds barred, street fight. That would be pretty cool. Never know. Never know. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But that's our show for tonight, guys. Um, thank you for joining us. And until the next one. Later. Take it easy. <laughs>